Welcome to Teen Wealth Radio, a show just for teens, their parents, and educators to come together and discuss the issues that are affecting our youth today. Your host is Brandy England. Brandy is joined each week by amazing guests, as well as a regular panel of co-hosts who are here to give you ideas and encouragement every step of the way. We also have plenty of other surprises on today's show. So let's get started. Here's your host, Brandy England. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Teen Wealth Radio. I'm excited because I have Ewan Cameron, my co-host, here with me today. How's it going, Ewan? Oh, things are great, Brandy. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm just happy we've had two days of no rain in uh, old wet Vancouver, so I'm enjoying that, walking around the dry weather. I just spent the weekend on the island visiting all of my family and celebrating St. Paddy's Day because I have some Irish in me. Who doesn't? That's <laughs> true. <laughs> oh, goodness, love it. Yeah, it's 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 been quite nice here. Um, so you don't know our guest, Ewan, but uh, he's an old family friend of mine, and his name is Rob Engelquist, but he's got a rap name, and that's his nickname as well. It's Skits Mantis, and this young man is very interesting. He has crystal blue eyes that make you basically fall in love with him the moment you meet him, and an incredible personality, and uh, he's got kind of an interesting career going for himself as a white rapper, and but he does some really interesting music, and he struggled with schizophrenia for a lot of his life, and most of us are incredibly ignorant to what schizophrenia is. Uh, there has been a few movies that have tackled the subject, um, but nothing that we really understand. And I know there's a lot of kind of stigma around it. So he's just going to come and share his story with us. And we're really grateful for him to be here. So thanks, Rob. How are you doing, love? Hey, Brandy. I'm very good. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, we're really happy to have you. I know we've been talking about this for a little while and you've been pretty yeah, active. It's been, it's been a while. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Well, we're glad to have you on the show, lovely. So it's it's Thank all you. yours. You can say whatever you want. And I know there's some teens out there that um, might be struggling with schizophrenia themselves or some parents that don't know how they can help their child. So I think this will be great for all of us. But can you just tell everyone? Yeah, well, uh, it's funny you say that because um, uh, most people are diagnosed with schizophrenia at 18. And although I was diagnosed at 18, I have had it my whole entire life. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's really important to try to get help for it as soon as possible and uh, the fortunate thing is that uh, these days the stigma as you mentioned is getting a little bit better I remember when I was first diagnosed I was telling everyone I thought it was just this normal thing to uh, to uh, to a say and I realized that it wasn't but it is getting better um, yes I was diagnosed when I was 18 years old but I had it my whole life um, when I was about five or six years old, I started hearing voices. Well, at least that's like when I was aware that I was hearing them. Um, the voices were incredibly hard to understand, and sometimes they were what you would call like a word salad, like a bunch of words that didn't make any sense, nor were they English words. Um, I can remember hearing four different types of voices, um, and although they didn't say anything, they were terrifying and um, very disturbing. Uh, it followed me to like when I was sleeping and it followed me my whole life. Although I do don't hear voices anymore. I do. Um, I don't like to use the word suffer, but sometimes that's the only word to use. The voices went away and the hallucinations went away, but now I am stuck with um, thoughts that basically control me, my paranoia, my OCD, everything like that. The four different voices that I used to hear, um, the first one was like demonic muttering and screaming. Um, I heard like 10 different voices at once. They would e either softly mutter or whisper at me or straight out yell at me. They didn't tell me what to tell me to do anything. They just yelled at me. 
Um, and the thing is, I didn't tell anybody at first because I thought that it was just normal. I thought that everybody um, heard these types of voices. And um, I just lived my life for a while like that before I even told my parents. And it was obviously um, very hard to live like that. Um, the other voice is when, if you, if you could imagine being in a busy cafeteria um, and everyone's speaking at once, like a huge room of just people talking quietly amongst themselves, and um, sometimes you can hear clear words, other times it's just all mixed together. That was another one that I used to hear. Also, um, one I like to call a business meeting. It felt like I was in the middle of a, an oval desk area where all these business people were talking, and I was in the middle getting the the voices that were just piercing into my brain. And um, it was obviously scary. Not as scary as the demonic voices, but still. Um, and the last voice I heard was the most recent one. It was the number 21 that kept on repeating in my head. Um, I was fully awake, although it sort of felt like a dream. My whole life has kind of felt like a dream. I've had this really hard time to differentiating reality from fantasy. Um, the misconception about schizophrenia uh, is that it's a split personality. Uh, that's not true, actually. Rather, it's a split mind. You know, you're having trouble understanding this is reality, if this is fantasy, if I'm dreaming. I felt like my whole life I was just dreaming, and I figured one day I'd wake up. Sometimes I still feel like I'm dreaming and that I'll wake up. Um, but the number 21 was in my head, and it kept on... Um, I think there was more than two or three voices. It was, it's always more than one when I used to hear these voices. And this is back when I was like six, well, five, six, seven years old. Um, but this recent one was when I was about five years ago. And all these disturbing voices would just kept on shooting these equations at me. And it kept on adding up to 21, 21. It was, such, it was the most clear and vivid hallucination I had. So I decided to tattoo it on myself. And... Um, and that was, you know, not the, obviously not the scariest hallucination, but it was so disturbing. It felt like I was in this never-ending lake of energy, and I just couldn't get out of it. It just never ended, and it just kept on going in my head. Um, but, like I said, the voices, the voices stopped at, at a certain point in my life, and I don't know why they stopped. I don't know where they went, why they, why they came in the first place, but why why'd they leave. But one day I was sitting in my bedroom when I was 12 years old, and, and it came back to me. Um, and it was this sensation, this feeling inside my body that was, that was present at the same time that I was hearing this voice. And, and it was this hallucination, right? And I, the hallucinations are so hard to explain. The voices are more easy to... Uh, get across, like get my point across of what they were sounding like. Because remember, I said they don't they didn't really say anything. I had a buddy who passed away last year. I work at the Justice Institute teaching cops about mental illness, and um, my buddy, his voices would tell him what to do. Such as, just a quick example, they told him to steal a piece of plastic, go into the Sony store, um, stick up the the people, rob rob them and go to Cancun and, and not eat fast and suntan. And his voices would always tell him to do things. 
my voices never told me what to do. They just scared me. Um, but the hallucinations, um, they're, they're like nothing I know from reality. Um, they're really almost impossible to explain. They were like I was in this paradoxical universe and like an alternate dimension. Um, I felt almost paralyzed and unable to speak. It was as if someone or something like had entered into my body and took complete control of it. I felt as if I was simultaneously in and out of my body. I like felt larger. It was like I was larger than the world, but at the same time smaller than an ant. Um, a, a, a way I like to describe it is like there's a tightrope connected from my the bridge of my nose to an object that is like 300 feet away and it's zooming in and out from different perspectives. Like I was like flying through a tunnel of light. Um, these hallucinations, they they were so unreal. They were so weird. And when I say hallucinations, I don't mean that as literal as it sounds where I see somebody right in front of me. Although I, I started doing drugs at, when I was about 13 and, and obviously there's a difference between hallucinating off mushrooms and acid and hallucinating from a mental illness. Um, but when I talk about these hallucinations, it's not like I'm seeing something as clear as day, like somebody right in front of me. There's, it's always has this sensation and this weird feeling that it's just almost too hard to explain. The only way for someone to understand it is if they could see the video of what's going on in my head. Um, that is really the only way. I remember telling my parents at one point about my voices and hallucinations. Um, and then soon after, or even before, I can't remember, you know how it's hard to tell when you're a kid, um, I started suffering, or not suffering, um, having night terrors. Uh, my parents, would. this is what I was told, and I actually have a slight memory of this happening, but at like three in the morning, my parents would hear me screaming. They didn't know what it was at first. It was this high, blood-curling, pitchy, weird scream coming from my room, and they would see me sitting on the ed edge of my bed at three in the morning screaming. Um, and obviously that was pretty tough for a parent to see, but little did they know that was not the beginning of their problems with me. Um, first of all, let me say how sorry I am to my parents. I have a niece now and I'm thinking of like thinking about her growing up and, um, being a teenager and it scares the crap out of me because I don't think that it it's an easy thing to do to have somebody, even a, teen, a teenager, let alone schizophrenia or any mental illness. Um, uh, and, and I also actually talk to students once in a while about the dangers of drugs and teaching about mental illness. And and um, and I just think back. And, and as a teenager, you, you aren't really um, aware of, the dangers and what you're doing to your parents and stuff like that. So one day you look back and you see what you've done. Um, um, I actually started when I was about 13, I started writing as, um, to try to find out what was wrong with me and like a means of getting it all out. At the time I didn't know it was therapy, but I later realized it was. I wrote about there being something wrong with me, although I didn't know what it was. Um, I obviously had never heard the word schizophrenia before. 
I remember when I was about 12 or 13 years old, my parents were in the kitchen talking about somebody who ended up being my friend later on in life. Not a, not a very good, well, a good friend, but not a very good influence on me, um, drug-wise and stuff like that. And I heard the word schizophrenia come out of their mouth, and I immediately associated with that word. And I and I knew deep down that that was that was what I what I had. I had the I had schizophrenia. Um, let me just say, when I first got diagnosed, it was almost a relief because I, me and my parents spent so much time and seeing many different psychiatrists that basically just told me nothing was wrong with me. And so when I was finally diagnosed, it was a weight off my shoulders. No longer do I have to figure out what's wrong. Now we know, so let's deal with it. Um, yeah, like it, it was, I, it wasn't hard for me, but it was obviously hard for my, my parents and my brothers and my friends to see me go into the hospital and turn into not myself. Um, I've, I first went to RCH psych ward when I was 18 years old. I can't remember if that's when I was diagnosed with, um, SAD, um, schizophrenia affective disorder or if it was the next year on my 19th birthday when I went to Riverview. Um, but yes, I was diagnosed with SAD, schizophrenia affective disorder, which is schizophrenia, paranoid schizophrenia, plus different um, diagnoses such as bipolar, anxiety. Um, I'm not exactly sure of the, like, the extent of it, but it's just schizophrenia plus, basically. It's just, it's just um, probably the... So not, I, want to, I don't want to say the worst, but the yeah, it was a, a big diagnosis, um, and that's when I was put on clozapine. Clozapine is a last resort medication for schizophrenia for patients that um, don't respond to other medications. I was on different medications at first too, which had horrible side effects such as drooling and not being able to speak properly like that and and um, stuff like that. Um, and when I started on the medication clozapine in about two and a half weeks, I remember being at Riverview, and that's when I was prescribed the clozapine. And I remember the nurse asking me about, this is just like two or three, two and a half weeks in, I, was, I stayed at Riverview for about four months. And she asked me, you know, what's uh, your age, blah, 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 what's your, uh, how much do you weigh? And I said, 145 pounds. She goes, there's no way you wear 145 pounds. And I stepped on the scale, and I was 220 pounds. So um, the medication, in a matter of that short of a time, made me gain 80 pounds. Um, and it was kind of really shitty for me because up until I was 18 and a half, I was 145 pounds. Uh, I don't want to brag, but kind of kind of good looking. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> kind of good looking, you know, I could kind of like, I, I, I hate to say it, but it's just the truth. Let me just say the truth. I didn't have a problem getting women or girls back in the day. And then all of a sudden, you know, I look at myself in the mirror and I, and I see how freaking fat I got and, and blown up and my face is all fat. And you know, I was like, Oh shit. Okay. Those days are over. And, um, so that kind of sucked. But, um, before, before clozapine though, um, when I was 16 years old, I was, I was diagnosed before SAD, I was diagnosed with attention deficit disorder, which apparently is a BS disorder and it's not actually a disorder, but I was prescribed Ritalin. And I remember the first day I took it, I was flying. Um, it was basically like 
cocaine except cheaper and readily available. I took one pill the first day and took two the next day, and then I remember waiting for my parents to go to sleep. I grab a, a pad of paper, my pen, some beers, a pack of cigarettes, some weed, and two or three pills of Ritalin, and I'd chop it up and I would snort it. And and it was disgusting. It was gross. Um, but it was a cheap. Well, actually, it wasn't cheap. It was free. It was a free. It's free drugs. Um, yeah. And I would definitely say that Ritalin is one of the worst drugs. And it's a so, shame that a I'm not sure if they still prescribe that drug to people that were that are diagnosed with ADHD, but I'd strongly suggest not to go on it um, for because sure. it's So I just have a question good. to ask you about, about that. We do have to go to a commercial break for two minutes, but then when we come back, I'd love to talk to you about that because you were saying you work with the police and you talk to students, and, and because of my history, I am... Um, I really hate a lot of drugs that people are put on for different things. So I'd love to delve more into that as soon as we come back from the break. Uh, We'll be back in two minutes, everyone. We'll see you soon. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Hey you, yeah you, are you tired of people asking you what you want to be when you grow up? Well, we can help. What if we gave you the money to start your own business? All you have to do is join the Teen Wealth Club. Even if you have no idea what you want to do, we can help you have the life of your dreams and play by your own rules. We are real, real people who believe that your life can be whatever you want it to be. And we know it works because we have hundreds of other teens just like you who are doing it right now. Check out GlobalTeenWealth.org and start the life of your dreams today. Don't forget to mention Teen Wealth Radio and we'll send you a free gift when you join. Or you can call us at 1-855-866-TEEN. That's 1-855-866-8336. GlobalTeenWealth.org. We're here to get you started on your future. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned in to Teen Wealth Radio. To join in the conversation, send an email to Brandy at GlobalTeenWealth.com. That's Brandy with an I at GlobalTeenWealth.com. Now, back to this week's show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. If you just joined us, we're talking to Rob Engelquist. 
His rap name is Schizmantis, and he's struggled with schizophrenia his whole life, but has challenged a lot of, or taken a lot of his challenges and channeled them into his art of music and writing. And so he's just telling us a little bit about his life. Robbie, before we went to the break, we were talking about drugs and how they've influenced your life. And I know you talked to students and, and teachers, or sorry, police, about what it's like to um, struggle with a mental health issue. Um, and we got into drugs before the break, and you were talking about Ritalin for your first diagnosis of ADD and clozapine. I'm, I'm yep. really anti-drug for a lot of things. I'm pro-drug for certain things, but I'd, I'd love to know your take on it from your I'm experience. I'm completely, I, I despise drugs with a passion. Um, I really hate drugs. And the, the, the thing is that I think this is more out in the open now that um, I think a few years back people were, were under the um, impression that pharmaceutical drugs are okay because the doctor prescribes them. Um, that's something that I completely disagree with. The funny thing is, is that I take Ativan uh, as an, an uh, as a PRN basically, which means it's a I guess it's a Greek word for as needed. Um, I take that. I actually quit smoking weed 30 months ago. Uh, I smoked weed since I was 30. Smoke weed was the first uh, substance. I don't like to call weed a drug, but it was the first thing I did. I was at a party one time when I was in grade eight. And let me say first that grade seven I was completely unaware of what drugs were. I promised myself I wouldn't smoke, let alone do these things that were called drugs. I went to a party in grade eight, smoked my first joint. The next day, I was um, smoking weed every single day. Then it turned into other drugs. But um, I quit smoking weed, and because I quit smoking weed, I needed something to kind of fall back on to take the edge off. When uh, Because, I mean, although I don't feel that smoking weed is physically addictive, it's also, it, it is a habit, it is a routine, and I was used to that routine. And if, any problem, if I had any problems, if I had a little, um, little problem, big problem, whatever, I'd get high and smoke weed. And uh, 30 months ago, I quit smoking weed, which I'm actually really proud about because I thought that I'd smoke weed for the rest of my life. Um, but I take Ativan, well, I got prescribed Ativan. I, I, have, I took my first Ativan the day that I ripped my, my room apart. I came home from school one day, and I completely tore my room apart. I was so sad. I was suicidal. I wanted to die. I didn't want to die. I just didn't want to live. Um, so anyways, years later, I got prescribed Ativan again. And my point is, is how easy it is to get from the doctor. Uh, fortunately, I'm very responsible and anti-drugs. So I only take it when I need it or when I feel like, um, you know, when, I, when I'm feeling really shitty and I really want to just kind of, uh, kind of, I don't want to say get high, but relax, I guess. Um, but it's very easy to get it. I go into the doctor and he knows that I'm not going to abuse it. But still, what if I had three or four different doctors and every single time I go in there, I say, oh, yeah, you know, I need a prescription on some Ativan. And they go, sure, no problem, because it's super easy to get it because they get paid for um, prescribing it. And, um, yeah, I'm just trying to say that for some people it could be dangerous because Ativan can be abused. Um, and it can be very addicting. I think on my bottle, on my bottle of Ativan, it says take two to three daily as needed. And I'm thinking in my head, if I took two or three daily as needed, I'd be addicted by next week and my tolerance level would go up and I need 10 instead of four. And, um, yeah, it's just really easy to get pharmaceutical drugs from some doctors, but they are probably the, especially with the um, opioid um, epidemic right now. And yeah, I'm completely against drugs. Um, I the, the, the thing about uh, being 
schizophrenic, growing up as uh, schizophrenic doing drugs, is that growing up from 13 till 20, I had tons of friends, and everywhere I went I had friends, and they were just as crazy as I was, if not crazier. So it's kind of hard to differentiate mental illness from being a teenager, teenager syndrome, right? Um, but like I said, I started smoking weed, and it quickly led to cocaine and ecstasy and mushrooms, and I did acid once. I smoked crack once, um, but, but a lot of those drugs I did all the time. And might I add, as I told you, I was diagnosed at 18, but I was experiencing symptoms of schizophrenia disorder uh, when I was a kid. So just to make it clear, the drugs didn't necessarily cause my mental illness, although they did add to it. Absolutely. Right. So um, now that you're talking to, uh, like, now that you talk to students and police, do you ever consider becoming an advocate against drugs or taking, taking a stand in that way in your life? Yeah, I do. Now, let me tell you something about that. Um, my other cousin, you probably know her. Um, I don't know if I'm supposed to drop names, but um, on my mom's side, because, by the way, me and Brandy are, my, my uncle Dale is um, your uncle. My, so. Yeah, my uncle, too, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyways, this, my, my, my cousin got in, uh, in contact with me, and she asked me, she said that she asked me if I would like to be a peer support worker and work with kids, youth, uh, whether, whether the, um, for drugs or just for mental health problems or whatever, just a peer support counselor like, like I, I would love to do. But the problem is, is that I, I have extreme paranoia issues, um, which, a lot, which stops me from, basically stops me from living my life till its fullest because I'm paranoid about things and I'm always cautious and I, like, I'm really cautious. Um, but if it could work out in a way where um, I could stay either within my comfort zone or just a little bit out, I'd love to do that because I really, 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 really just want to help, help kids. I want to spread my love because at the end of the day, at the end of my life, if I've succeeded at nothing and if I've loved, then that's um, success in my mind. So I would love to be an advocate for drug use um, in the youth and a counselor and, and a helper. I'm actually a helper at heart. Um, for example, I go play hockey at uh, Moody Park Arena, and I'm always, I'm always making sure everyone's okay. So that's just who I am. And so I don't really need to get paid for that type of thing. Wherever I go, I'm always trying to lend my helping hand. I took a course a year and a half ago on substance abuse or whatever to be a counselor it never actually happened that I was a counselor but you know I don't know maybe maybe it would happen and I'd love to do that that's awesome and how did you get involved with the police and teaching them about what it's like to have mental health struggles I I, I think basically through word of mouth because um, I've been doing it for about nine and a half years now Um, I I, like I said through word of mouth or somebody got somebody got my name sorry um, somebody got my name. Her name is Linda Stewart. She's the head. Um, she's a, she's retired <clears throat> retired now. But um, yeah, I just started doing it, and it became a regular thing. Um, and it was it's done so much for me because I love I love doing it. I love um, teaching cops about it. I love being on the other end as well because growing up, although I never went to jail. Um, or, you know, stuff like that, I was always, I, I didn't like the police, I hated them like most punk teenagers did, and now I'm sitting here 
talking to them and, well, in front of them. And they're all listening to me. They're paying attention to me. They're asking me questions. They're treating me with kindness and respect. And they love it. I, I either get a standing ovation from them or I get 100 questions or people come up to me afterwards. And it's just so nice to walk down to the J.I. and go, and all the cops are just saying, oh, hey, Robbie, hey. And, you know, before it was like, oh, fuck, cops, got it run. Sorry, excuse my language. But, yeah, um, it's just, uh, it's been nine years now, and uh, I haven't looked back. It's amazing. I got, t- not tomorrow, but the next day I'm going down there. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. I love doing it. And I haven't spoken to children in the last um, couple of months but I'm looking forward to if somebody ever wants me to come in and do a presentation because I'm always down for that. Um, I used to do grade sevens, and I figured grade seven, although it's a good age to start at, I think that might be a little early, early, so I jumped to like grade 10, 11 because I think that's where where it hits. I remember doing one doing a presentation talking about I don't I don't go and go and say don't do drugs you know I say this is the drugs I've done this is what it's going to do if you if you do them and I say it in a, in a way where they're not threatened by me or they feel like I'm some a-hole 34 year old man trying to tell them what to do um, I try to get down to their level anyways I was doing this whole presentation um, and afterwards a young lady came out to me and asked if she could talk to me and I said, yeah. And she was said that she was planning on doing cocaine next week at a party. And I didn't know how to plead with her to tell her not to do it. Um, but it kind of broke my heart that all this stuff that I'm saying to them, because I don't do this to get, I don't make money off it. I do it because I care and I want to help these kids. Like you obviously know, right, Brandy? Right. That's what, that's what, that's what we're here for is I don't, I, if, like I said, if I don't make a cent, from what I do in the next 100, 20 years, 30, whatever, how long I live, I don't know how long I'm going to live. Um, all, all I care about is that I, I can help somebody. And it broke my heart when she said, there's really nothing I can say that would talk her out of doing cocaine. And I just said, if you could see your life in 20 years and, and like if you, if you think that doing cocaine or heroin is, is appealing now, well, the thing is, is if you, if you get out of it, if you get out of it, because today's day and age, it's, it's if, right? It's not when, it's if, because uh, drugs are deadly these days. So if you get out of it, if you get out of this drug habit that you've, con- that you've, um, that you've made or whatever created, uh, you're always going to have this itch that you're not going to be able to scratch. There's, gonna always, there's, gonna, there's always going to be that in the back of your head because although I, I don't do drugs and I haven't done drugs for a long time, I don't smoke weed, I don't, all I do is drink coffee and, and smoke cigarettes, which is something that I got to work on as well. But because I was addicted to drugs, um, it'll always be there and I'll never be able to get rid of that. Um, I remember before I went to Riverview, I was living at my aunt's house and I went on a seven night binge and, you know, maybe compared to other people who have, oh, my phone's, my something on my line, but that's okay. Um, compared to other people was a drug drug habit. Maybe mine wasn't. Um, maybe mine wasn't so 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 bad, but in my eyes it was. And I knew that if I didn't get help ASAP, that I would end up either on the streets or in jail or homeless or dead. And that's that may sound corny, but it's the truth. And I did. I had a seven night binge. And at the end of the, my the end, I go. I, my life was just. 
I felt so horrible, and I called my mom and I asked her to get me some help, and that's when I went to review. Um, I know this sounds really cliche and kind of corny, but music, music is a huge contributing factor in why I'm still alive today, meaning it gives me reason to live. Um, it, it gives me purpose, you know what I mean? And that might sound cliche, but that's the truth, because um, my life is sort of, I don't really, I don't have what a normal 34-year-old man has due to, I guess, and people understand it in a way because I, I am on disability and I do have active schizophrenia symptoms all the time. But I, I, I feel that life has passed me by so quick and here I am and I'm really not in the position that I thought I'd be when I was 16 or 17 years old. Listeners are from all over the world and they don't know where Riverview is. Can you tell me a little Riverview. bit about what that was like for you? Yeah, well, it's funny you say that because looking back, I have all these great memories. Life was, I was 19 years old. Life, I had all my whole life, I had my whole life ahead of me. I had hope and, and dreams and desires, and I thought, yeah, okay, I'm stuck here in Riverview, only four or five months or whatever, but still, I'm stuck here, and I'm a mental patient, and I'm stuck with these people who are, um, mind I say, you know, crazy, or wrong word maybe, but, you know, and... Um, and here I am, and, and what, am I, what am I doing here? But at the same time, I have my whole life ahead of me. And so I have all these, these great memories associated with it. Riverview is in Coquillum. It's actually one of the most popular sites for thriller movies or whatever. Like I've seen a bunch of movies that, that are filmed there. It's a huge, huge um, landscape. It's a really big property, and the buildings are so old. I think it was 1907. I don't, I, maybe I'm wrong. I did some research on that. And when it first opened, it was, I think it took from, there was a hospital in New Westminster, and then the, ma- the male patients were brought there, and it was turned into a psych unit or whatever. It's just beautiful grounds. I, I used to walk around there all the time. There's Penn Hall where you have a cafeteria and this, this old bowling alley and pictures on the wall and of old, old patients. And it's, it's just so old, and it's just it's such a beautiful place. Um, Unfortunately, I, I, I don't know if it's open again, but they, they closed it for a while, and then all these poor souls. I actually have a poem that I wrote. Um, um, I, I was, I, my, my cousin's wife did an interview about mental illness or whatever, and um, I did a, a poem about review. I can't remember where it is or where it is, but um, a, a great place. It's a really nice place, and I'm really glad they reopened it. I have a buddy who lives on Colleen, Colleen, Colley Fields. I can't, remember what it, I can't remember what it's called, but there's houses on there that you can live in for patients that are not necessarily needing um, all the help that they offer there. But it's a great place, and I, I'm really happy that, they, that it's still open. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. I just, I wasn't sure. I think they reopened some of the buildings for... Um, I think, yeah, I think you're right. Some of the buildings are open. Maybe not, not everything's open, but they have to... The, 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 the really crappy thing is that all these people that are reliant on the help that is offered there and the, the housing and the, and the beds and the hospital beds, and the, thing, the truth is, is that they, they come out the, of that and they are now on the streets because they have no other way no other place to go. For me, I'm so fortunate. Well, this is the thing, is I'm very fortunate in my life to have the family and support that I have. Otherwise, there's no doubt in my mind that I'd be homeless, and I wouldn't be a good homeless person because I enjoy my, my beautiful vinyl music and, and having coffee and sitting with my cat and being warm and getting to watch a movie before I go to bed and, and all that kind of thing, and um, I'd be a really crappy homeless person. 
<laughs> so we just have two minutes before we go to the break, but can you tell me a little bit, I just want to reverse back to when you talked about when you were diagnosed at 18, what, what symptoms was it, or what did you discover about yourself or what did the doctors discover about you that allowed you to be diagnosed and taken from ADD to schizophrenia? What, what, what was um, that? We just have two minutes before break. So that's a good question because the only way that you can be diagnosed with the mental illness um, per se is by explaining to the doctor um, what's going on, and so I just basically, like I said, I, I used to, I had, I had, I had seen eight or nine different psychiatrists, and none of them were helping. They, my parents were just worried as hell, um, trying to get help from me, and they, they just kept on saying nothing was wrong, nothing was wrong. Um, maybe you can answer your, ask your question again after I say this part, but. Um, it was, I was coming down to my wits end. It was too much. I was so suicidal. I didn't want to live, didn't want to die. I was destroying things. I was punching holes in the walls, crying. Um, all the time I was sad. I was, um, disconnected from reality and my friends. I was becoming somebody that I didn't know, didn't know who it was. I was just so out of sorts. Um, I also had a girlfriend at the time who kind of drove me insane, like women can do. Right, Brandy? Hey, whoa. <laughs> no, I agree. I get it. Right, Brandy? Just joking. Um, anyway, so um, at, at one point, my mom and my aunt, after um, watching me basically um, spiral out of control, they took me to RCH emergency, and I went in there, and I sat down with the doctor. I was trying to tell him what was going on. At the time, I was really, nobody could tell me anything. I was mad. I was angry, pissed off, sad. Um, I, like I said, completely suicidal. I didn't know what to do. And I was trying to tell the doctor what's going on. And he dismissed me again. He picked up the phone. The phone rang as I was talking to him. And I grabbed a bottle and I bashed it against the table. Um, I started swearing and, and, and yelling and screaming like a, like a mental person, which I was and stormed out and that's when I got a bed I was in the site I was in the quiet room for three days um, fed medication the next the, the three days later I woke up and I was in the the RCH psych ward and um, that's when I finally got the right help is when I was actually admitted into to the psych ward before that it was basically kind of hell you know what I mean yeah hey Robbie we just have to go to commercial break quickly but we'll be back in two minutes to to get awesome. back on it thank you love Awesome. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Are you tired of people asking you what you want to be when you grow up? Well, we can help. What if we gave you the money to start your own business? All you have to do is join the Teen Wealth Club. Even if you have no idea what you want to do, we can help you have the life of your dreams and play by your own rules. We are real. Real people who believe that your life can be whatever you want it to be. And we know it works because we have hundreds of other teens just like you who are doing it right now. Check out GlobalTeenWealth.org and start the life of your dreams today. Don't forget to mention Teen Wealth Radio and we'll send you a free gift when you join. Or you can call us at one 855 
1-855-866-GENE. That's 1-855-866-8336. GlobalTeenWealth.org. We're here to get you started on your future. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned in to Teen Wealth Radio. To join in the conversation, send an email to Brandy at GlobalTeenWealth.com. That's Brandy with an I at GlobalTeenWealth.com. Now, back to this week's show. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Team Wealth Radio. I hope you've enjoyed our show so far. If you're just joining us, we're talking to Rob Engelquist, an old friend of mine, an old family friend, actually, and his rap name is Schizmantis. He struggles with schizophrenia, and he's telling us a very candid uh, story about his life and how he's overcoming some of his struggles. And then he's uh, before we close out the show today, he's going to give us a little freestyle rap to finish the show. So welcome back, Robbie, and thank you so much again for joining us, love. Hey, Brandy, it's it's amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, me and Brandy have known each other since we were probably, I remember going for walks with you when we were four. I remember a couple of years ago, I go, Brandy, are you 30? I said, I can remember this a couple of years ago, and she goes, no, I'm actually this age. I go, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were older than me. Sorry about that. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm really happy that you had me on your show. I mean, it's awesome. And uh, yeah. Yep. We're super happy to have you. Um, so I know you've got so many great things to tell everybody. Um, you did talk a little bit before we went to the break about how the doctor kind of dismissed you when you were talking about some of the things that you were feeling. Do you find that that's something that happens a lot to teenagers? They kind of get dismissed because adults assume they're going through angst and it's not anything more severe than that? I, I think a lot of times it gets swept under the carpet, and I think it's really important to stress what you're feeling because um, I, I think maybe a lot of people do, but I also think that it's getting a lot better. And it's and you got to agree with me that it's that people are coming out left, right, and center, saying they got anxiety and they got this and that. And I'm not saying that it's not true. I'm just saying that there's some people that actually suffer from these things. So maybe that that's why um, um, people may not get help because it, they don't know how the doctors may not know how severe it is. But I would just stress to really. Try and get that help, and not necessarily the medication, but the the um, outreach programs, and and somebody like myself come and talk to somebody like myself. I remember growing up <clears throat> when I was a teenager, I didn't like to talk to a psychiatrist, sit there and tell me a problem, tell me, tell him what my problems are, and he goes, "Oh, really? So tell me about that, and how do you feel about this?" And it's like you're not listening to me, buddy. You're just sitting there ready to cash your check, and and I didn't feel good about it. Um, but the thing is that there's some really good people out there to talk to and, um, yeah, maybe sometimes they're not going to get the help right away, but like I did, I prolonged and I kept on going and I, and, um, and then, you know, finally life was looking a little bit better. So there's obviously hope to get through it. And my mom always said this, this soon shall pass. And 
for sure did soon pass. And even though I still suffer, again, I don't like that word, it's the only word, from symptoms of schizophrenia, um, life is a lot better. And um, yeah. And I was just going to say that even though, even though I don't ha- I hear, hear voices and um, hallucinate, which are considered positive symptoms, I do suffer from negative symptoms such as OCD, paranoia, delusions, and um, very harsh anxiety. I learned um, a year and a half ago into a, an anxiety uh, help class or whatever, and I learned that I have every single one of them except for the social anxiety, which means like I don't have a problem with talking to people um, in public or whatever like that. But I do suffer from delusional thinking. Um, I'll give you a quick example. Um, hopefully they're not listening to the people I'm talking about. But um, I was doing a presentation at the JI, and I was in there. I was in talking to them, and I suddenly felt that every single person in that room was against me, and I was looking for an exit. I had these thoughts going through my head that that, that was it, and they were going to kill me, and they were going to take me. And this, this is... Um, something that is so strong in my mind and there's absolutely no doubt that it's that it's not that it that it's not real that it's real and um it's only a delusion after the fact because at the time it's reality i only noticed that it's a delusion after when i think rationally and realize that it was a delusion um i also suffer from paranoia like harsh paranoia which doesn't like i don't like to leave my house much my brother thomas is getting married um in the summer and it's a destination wedding and as much as i'm looking forward to going because it's my little brother and i absolutely adore his fiance and i can't wait to go but the drive and leaving my house is killing me. Um, it's absolutely tearing me apart because I just keep on thinking about it and thinking about it. I spend some of my nights if I'm alone, which I hate to be alone. I like to be alone, but with somebody in the house. I live in my parents' basement. I know, again, ladies, that's probably not something that you're uh, looking for. But unfortunately, that's what I, I, I do. And if I'm alone, I spend a lot of my time peeking through the blinds, crawling down on the floor, thinking that the car outside is coming after me. The pe- person walking down the street, I feel like everybody's out to get me. Why have they got me yet maybe they're just plotting still i'm not sure um i also have ocd where i count touch check and pray almost constantly um if somebody was to see what i'm doing as i do it they might think that it's very strange and i'm sure that it is but i can't help um i i constantly am touching things either with my feet or my hands i'm i'm checking the clocks i mean the 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 oven, the stove, the locks is what I meant to say on the door. And I'll hold the lock for seven seconds, and if it's not good, I'll hold it again and again. And I'll sit there and I'll hold the lock for up to two minutes, and I'll stare at it, and I'll go back and check it and check it and check it. Um, I there's a, there's a long list of my OCD, my paranoia, and my delusions, and um, it's something that I've learned to live with. I've been offered medication for it, but I'm already on the strongest medication there is for schizophrenia affective disorder, and I don't think it's doing too much for my physical health, and so I don't want to go on any more medications. The OCD, however, is something that keeps my mind in check. I feel like it's something that I can do that will help me in the long run. Um, I basically have a thought disorder now. I also, I, of course, I have schizophrenia, but the main thing is my thoughts, and that's why 
that's one of the reasons why I don't work and why I'm on disability. Um, I recently, when I, I recently tried to, uh, no, I, my friend said that he'll give me an interview for a job, and I'm really excited about that because I haven't had a full-time or a part-time job besides doing the JI and talking to children for, for a long time. And if people really knew and understood what I go through on a daily basis with my thoughts and with my paranoia and my irrational fears, then maybe they could come close to understanding why it is that I don't work and why I don't live the life of a normal 34-year-old man. Um, it's unfortunate, but you know that saying, right? Um, what does it go? Um, accept the things you can't... What, how does it go? You know what I'm talking about, right? I do. I know exactly. Yeah, accept the... Lord, give me the strength to accept the things I cannot change. I, can't, I don't know the whole thing, but I know exactly what you're talking and about. And the courage yeah. to change the things I can or whatever. And that's the truth, right? I'm never giving up on myself but I'm also accepting these things, but working towards my goals and dreams that I sometimes don't have because I'm stuck in this, this weird depression that goes, like I have, like I'm a writer and I write every single day and I noticed that I, like a week, two weeks ago, I was, the whole, the whole, I was writing about suicide and depression and, um, and all this horrible stuff. And then all of a sudden for two weeks I had, um, these wicked awesome days and I was writing how, how happy I've been and then three weeks later I'm back and I'm, oh, well, here it comes again. I'm back at this, this place again where uh, I don't really, I'm not really enjoying anything and, and it's hard and I'm scared and everything like that. And, um, but I fluctuate. My moods continue to fluctuate and I look forward to the good days and the happiness that I, that is sometimes really hard to obtain. I don't know if attain or obtain, but you know what I mean? So, um, so music and writing are two of the things that give you joy. We have about four minutes left till the end of the show. What else brings joy in your life? Like, what are you really passionate about doing? And then right that. at the end, I love end, that question. I love sure that question. So obviously, I'm, well. um, I collect music. I, I do music. Um, I have a niece. Her name is Haley, and she's um, a year and a bit, and that brings so much joy to my life. My family, being around my, my brothers and my friends, um, I love to cook. Um, I cook every single night. I love it. Um, but yeah, and spreading my love, that gives me joy. I love helping people another, any way I can. Um, I'd love to be an actor. I'd really love to be an actor, but again, my stupid paranoia is holding me back from that. Um, yeah, I, um, I'd, I'd say basically that. I'd say writing, doing music, cooking, loving um, my cat. My cat brings me joy. Um, doing things like this. I love doing things like this, although um, sometimes it could be nerve-wracking, but um, public speaking, I love public speaking. I used to be a comedian. Um, unfortunately, I just learned yesterday, my buddy Mike McDonald, I don't know if you heard, he, I was in a, a documentary, and I used to be a comedian for a, uh, a thing called Stand Up for Mental Health, and Mike McDonald, who is a professional Canadian comedian, uh, offered his time to us, and me and him became pretty good friends. And and he did a lot. He donated donated his time. He did a lot for us. Unfortunately, he just passed away. Um, not yesterday, but the day before, or, or was it yesterday? Um, so yeah, I mean, even though my life is simple, kind of plain, in in a certain aspect, kind of boring. Um, on the good days, I I do recognize my hopes and my dreams and the things that I love to do, and I look forward to. Even though I'm 34, and I know that's not crazy old, but it is almost, almost 40. I'm almost 48, six years. And think about how fast the last 10 years went by. So I'm always thinking about that. But the thing is, is that 
if I, if I can just do these simple things in my life and find joy out of the small things and appreciate the small things, then I think I'm on the right track. Amazing. So we've got a couple minutes before the end of the show, and I know you have uh, some freestyle rap that you'd like to share with us. Well, actually, it's um, it's just a quick verse that I, I'm that um, yeah, like I said, I'm working on an album right now with my buddy Aaron Buck, and we are going to release our music pretty soon. We got ten songs so far. I've been I've been rapping for for a while now, but um, we're basically still new, so. Awesome. Yeah, let us let us hear it. <laughs> okay. I go through this. Last night I was thinking about swallowing, all of my pills was hollowing, deep in the polygon. I was not able to see me embodying something so evil I needed a mulligan. I pray to God he could give me the strength. I was like, f*** it, I'm done with this trying. I'll take this old bottle because I ain't complying. I'm lying in piles of sweat, blood on my chest, crying because I am depressed, hiding inside of my nest. Fly by, my mind is dying inside. Why is it every time I try to get myself in line, I cry? Because time that I say goodbye, who I believe in, I'm too afraid to die. I put myself in a box, lock it, and see what the plot thickens. I got cold feet while I'm living, the clock's ticking. You stop giving me so many reasons to stop living. Wow, I don't even know how you talk that fast. That was awesome. Thank <laughs> you. I can hear I can hear kind of your message and your story within that. Um, we have well, literally yeah, sometimes one... it's like, yeah. We have literally one minute left before the end of the show. If there's Thank anything you so else much that you want to say, yeah. anytime, love. Thank you so much. I know our listeners have really enjoyed this. You're you're amazing, and I love your story. And we can probably have you on for four more episodes. Well, yeah. The funny thing is, is I was thinking to my. I always think that whenever I do presentations, I always think that's a lot of time. That I don't think I'm going to have enough time to say everything. But um, I'd love to be on your show again. So yeah. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. And I know everyone out there in Teen Wealth Land has really enjoyed this. If you want to learn more and educate yourself on what it's like to struggle with schizophrenia or you want to learn anything about Rob, uh, you can check him out. His nickname is Schizmantis. And I know he's got an album coming out soon. So I'll share that with everyone on the Global Teen Wealth Facebook page whenever he's ready to share it. Thank you all for tuning in. Thanks to A-Rod, our producer, my co-host, Ewan Cameron, and our guest this week, Rob Inglequist. It's been an absolute pleasure. We'll see you all same time, same place next week. Have a great one, everyone. Thanks for being part of Teen Wealth Radio. Please join your host, Brandy England, her guests, and panel of experts again next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an awesome week, and we'll see you here for the next show.